You may have noticed there's a little bit of a mess up here. Uh, we're unpacking for Christmas and getting things ready for Christmas. You know, when you're a kid, all you care about is Christmas morning, right? You know, all you, all you really care about is that morning, is Christmas morning, that you're going to run downstairs or run into the living room, you're going to see that tree lit up, you're going to see all those packages underneath the tree. That's what excites you. That's what motivates you just that day, that morning. When you're older, you know there's a lot more work involved than just Christmas morning. You know you have to go up to the attic and drag those boxes down. You have to open them all up and then you have to get all the decorations out. You have to hope you didn't break anything or lose anything. And then you have to get it all unpacked and all ready. And Christmas isn't a day when you're older. It's, it's a process. And it can take weeks to unpack Christmas. And you know, in a way, that's not just something that happens in our attics. And it's not just something that happens in our storage spaces. It's Unpacking Christmas is something that happens here. It's something that happens here as we prepare ourselves for Jesus. As we prepare to make room for Him in our homes and, and in our hearts. And, and that's really the point, isn't it? I mean, Jesus didn't come here so that we could have plastic trees or plastic lit up Santas on our roofs. Uh, he didn't come for that. He, he came to live in our hearts and in our homes. And it, it takes a while to unpack all of that stuff. That's what I've really appreciated about the Gospel of Luke lately. We love Luke's Christmas story. I know families who have traditions that on Christmas morning, before any presents are opened, they open their Bibles and they read the Christmas story from Luke chapter 2. But Luke's, Luke doesn't begin in chapter 2. Luke begins in chapter 1. Luke does not begin on the birth of Christ. Luke begins a full year earlier than the birth of Christ. Luke begins not in Bethlehem, but in Jerusalem. And Luke doesn't begin in a stable. He begins in the temple, in the center of Jewish worship. And he doesn't begin with a nation. He begins with one family, a couple really, preparing them for Christmas. And, and make no mistake, as you read Luke chapter 1, it's messy. There's a lot of stuff to unpack and, and a lot of stuff to get ready for. We're going to look at Luke chapter 1. We're going to begin in verse 5. We're going to go to verse 17 today. Those Bibles you've got there in the, uh, in the pews, it's page 855. And for the next few weeks as we get ready for Christmas, we're going to unpack. <clears throat> we're going to unpack the Christmas story. We're going to look at Luke chapter 1, at the preparations that God made to welcome His Son into this world. And as we do so, we're going to look at our own lives and our own needs and our own preparations. How do we prepare our hearts to welcome Christ home? We're going to begin Luke chapter 1, verse 5. Luke writes, In these days, Herod, king of Judah, in the days of Herod, king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no children, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced 
in years. From those first three verses, you see the pain, don't you? You, you can tell there's something, there's something mess, messy here. Maybe, maybe it's not just their story, though. Maybe it's your story. And maybe it's, it's my story. Maybe it's about all of us coming to that understanding, coming to that realization that there is a need in your heart that only God knows how to meet. Now on the surface, Zechariah and Elizabeth had it all together. Zechariah and Elizabeth had, had so much going for them. Zechariah had a great job. You know, Zechariah is a servant. He is a priest in the temple, one of 8,000 priests that served in those days. Uh, he is at, he's got a great job. He's got a great role in the community. He is a priest. And his wife Elizabeth, we're told that she was of the daughters of, of, of Levi, that she was a Levite as well. This means that they were doubly blessed. They were both from the priestly line. Their family was going to be blessed. Everything was going to be perfect. When you meet them, Zechariah is about to have a once-in-a-lifetime experience. He had been chosen to enter the holy place. You guys remember the pictures of the temple? There's the holy of holies where the presence of God would dwell. And then outside of that was the holy place. And there in the holy place is where the altar of incense was. It's where the table for the preparations was. Where They would get everything ready there at the altar of incense. Zechariah has a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity uh, as we meet him. He is preparing to go into the holy place, near the presence of God, to offer incense on an altar. An individual priest would only be allowed to do this once in his lifetime. Only once. And, and there was no guarantee that you would ever get the opportunity. He has prepared his entire life for this duty. He has prepared his entire life for this encounter with God, to offer incense on the altar. Everything's led to this moment. Look on in verse 8. Verse 8 says, Now while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And, when the, multi the, and the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. So Luke presents this picture. And from the outside, everything looks perfect. The multitude is praying. They are aware that Zechariah is their man. He is there inside preparing to make this offering once in his lifetime. But you know, inside, inside Zechariah and Elizabeth, there's turmoil and there's trouble. And there's the question. You know, Zechariah is right outside the Holy of Holies but the question in Zechariah's mind is, where, where is God? Where is He really? Luke's a doctor. And Luke's fairly clinical as he records this, their story. He tells us that Elizabeth is barren. And he also tells us that they are both very advanced in years. And so, for this couple, it's not just... It's not just the pain of being childless. It's not just the pain of, of never having a child. You've got to understand, for, for Jewish families in those days, every family lived with the hope that the wife would become the mother 
of a son, and that son would grow up to be the Messiah. That son would be the one that would rescue his people. And that, that's the hope that every Jewish mother had at that time, that, that my son might become the Messiah, that he will deliver his people. But with no children, there was no hope for Zechariah and Elizabeth. We've all got those hopes. We've got those hopes that are locked away within us, those hopes that we hold on to until one day when hope simply becomes hopeless. We, we have those hopes that I can fix this. I can fix this myself. I can fix this. Or, or I can fix my friends. You know, I can, I can take care of them. I, I can fix this situation. I can make this right. We struggle with things. We have people that struggle with addictions, struggle with, we struggle with bad habits, we struggle with bad attitudes, and, and we tell ourselves, this time I'm going to get it right. This time I'm going to fix it. This time we're going to solve this problem. And, and like, like Zechariah and Elizabeth, sometimes from the outside, everything looks perfect. Everything looks great. But inside, we know that we're struggling. Inside, we know that we're dying. And you know, that's exactly the moment when God can meet us. That's exactly the moment when everything can change. Because at that point, when we know exactly what we can't do, what we can't fix, that's when we're ready to see what God can do. Look on in verse 11. Zechariah is inside the holy place. He's preparing to offer the incense. And it says, that, And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. Luke gives us some fascinating detail here. He tells us exactly where the angel stood. The angel stood on the right side of the altar of incense. Angel's over here. The altar's over here. Zechariah is over here. He's over here at the table getting the incense ready, getting everything ready to offer, and all of a sudden he has to turn to his left, and boom! There's an angel standing in his way, and he can't get his job done because the angel is standing in his way. You know, you, I think you're going to find this to be true. At that moment when you think you're going to ha that you've got it all figured out, at that moment when you think you know exactly how you're going to take care of this, boom, God's going to get in your way. God's going to step in and suddenly things aren't going to be as easy as you thought. But you also find something else to be true. And that is that when you turn that need over to God, that need that only God can meet, that when God meets that need, He takes your fear and He turns it into joy. He turns your fear into joy. Going on, look again at verse 11. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid. You know what the most common command in the Bible is? Do not be afraid. The most common command in the Bible. All those things that you read in the Bible that you think, I'm not supposed to do this, and I'm supposed to do that, and, and God's going to get me if I don't do this, or if I do that, He's definitely going to get me. <laughs> Above all of it, the most common command, do not be afraid. 
There's only one way that God can command that. There's only one way God can command you to not be afraid, and that is if He has equipped you to not be afraid. Now, there's a very old understanding that we have of Scripture and of God's commands. And, and one thing I, I want you to never miss, God would not command it if He hadn't equipped you to do it. God would not command what He hasn't equipped you to do. And if God commands you to be not afraid, then He has equipped you to be not afraid. The other half of that understanding is this. God would not command it if He didn't take pleasure from it. And God takes pleasure when we live fearlessly. God would not command it if He didn't equip it. God would not command you to do it if He hadn't equipped you. And if you can't stop that fear that's in you, if you can't find peace, if you can't see the hope that He gives you, it's not that He hasn't provided. It's because you haven't turned it over to Him yet. You haven't given that to Him yet. So you look on in verse 13. The angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at His birth. For He will be great before the Lord, and He must not drink wine or strong drink, for He will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from His mother's womb. And He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And He will go before Him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. I had a question about that passage. He says there in verse 13, your prayer has been heard. Did a little research on that. It's, it's singular. It is Zechariah's prayer. Your prayer has been heard. It's not y'all's prayer, you guys might know. It doesn't sound like it was Elizabeth's prayer. It was Zechariah's prayer. It doesn't sound like it was Elizabeth's prayer. Now Luke's already told us two things about Zechariah and about Elizabeth. Elizabeth was barren. She couldn't have children. And he says that she was also advanced in years. There came a time in Elizabeth's life, when that hope of having a son completely died. That hope was, was gone. She knew, beyond a shadow of a doubt, I can't have a child anymore. I can't have a child now. She felt that inside her. But for some reason, Zechariah didn't stop praying. For some reason, Zechariah didn't lose hope. And so the angel says to Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. And Elizabeth would be blessed because of her husband's prayer. There may be someone right now praying for you. Praying about a hope for you. A hope that you thought was dead. A hope that you thought was beyond reality. Because in yourself, you felt there's no way out of this problem. There's no way through this problem. There's no way around this problem. This is my reality, and I'm just going to have to live with it. 
But someone is praying for you and they are praying new life into you and new hope into you. And I would encourage you, I would encourage you, pray, pray for those people you know who think that hope is gone. Pray for those people you know who think that hope is gone, who think there is no way this problem is ever going to be solved. There's no way I'm ever going to find peace. There's no way I'm ever going to get out of this. This is never going to stop. Just because they've stopped praying, just because they've stopped hoping, don't you stop. Because the promise is still there. God's promise is still there. Verse 14, he says, And you will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at His birth. You know, in chapter 2, the Christmas story, after this is all unpacked, the angels come to the shepherds, right? They come to the shepherds outside of Bethlehem and the the shepherds see the star. They see the angels. And the angels say, Fear not! For behold, I bring you good news that will be of great joy to all people. To all people. But here, before Christmas is unpacked, the angel says, This will be joy to you. Zechariah. This will be joy to your wife. And this fear not is for them. You know, God does that. He works His joy into the lives of individuals and He brings them out of their fear. He blesses whole families. He blesses whole communities. And He blesses whole churches through the joy that He gives to that individual. The joys that He gives to that individual family. It takes a while to unpack Christmas. You got to go get all those boxes. You got to bring them down one by one. Hopefully, you labeled them the year before, but chances are you didn't. And you know, if if we're honest, when we look at the mess that's here, maybe that's kind of like your life. Maybe those unpacked boxes are are kind of like your life. There's a lot of stuff that you need to dig through. There's a lot of stuff in your heart. There's a lot of stuff in your mind that you haven't unpacked yet. You put it away and you thought, I'm, I'm not going to deal with that for a while. And it, it remains all packed up and boxed up somewhere. A lot of stuff that you haven't unpacked. And, and once you start unpacking, you're thinking, does this even fit? You know, we, we all see that one family that's got the manger display and for some reason you know gumby standing there with the three wise men it doesn't fit but somehow it got packed away with everything else sometimes those boxes sometimes they've got our fears in them sometimes the question is what if i unpack this what if i face this what is it going to do to me if i really address this problem and the problem is we never turn those over to the one person who can command us, be not afraid. And the one being who can, who can equip us to be not afraid. And so today, as we start unpacking Christmas, i got a question for you to consider. What are you trying to do for yourself that only God can do for you? What is it you're trying to do for yourself that only God can do for you? Are you trying to to save yourself? Are you trying to be good enough for yourself? Are you trying to be strong enough? Are 
Are you trying to earn your salvation? Are you trying to, to live your life with a significance that you're trying to give yourself and make something of yourself beyond who you truly are? And, and maybe you've decided that's just, that's just not enough because no matter what you do, it doesn't feel like enough. Are you trying to purchase your own forgiveness? Are you trying to purchase your own hope, your own peace? You know, the same God that told Zechariah and Elizabeth, be not afraid, is the God that tells you, be not afraid. The same God that equipped them to be not afraid is the God that equips you to, to be not afraid. And the joy that began with them, with the news of their own child's birth and their own child's work, that becomes your joy. Their son John would be the one that would announce the coming of the Savior. The coming of your Savior. The one who gives you amazing grace. When we come to the table in a few minutes, it's because we're very aware of what we can't do for ourselves. We're very aware of what we're not capable of giving ourselves. We unpack the bread. We unpack the cup. And we become very aware that everything that we lack, our God makes up.